For Thursday, October 5th, 2023, we're coming to you from the GoGo Sports Studio built by Arbor Lee here at the Iconic Wall Center in downtown Vancouver. And again, it is the season where organized people are planning holiday parties because we're like six to eight weeks out from all the holiday parties. Makes sense, though. Get the good places, and this is one of them. Wall Center offers over 55,000 square feet of striking indoor and outdoor space, the iconic 34th, 34th floor meeting room. Check them out. Contact sales at wallcenter.com. Matt Scarce alongside Blake Price, Grace Sassett, and Switches. Conducting things to show a presentation of Applewood Auto Group celebrating 25 years. Why don't you get out to an Applewood dealership? And take a test drive. Chance to win $25,000. No charge maintenance packages with purchase. Try the QX60. You can lease it from 3.99%. Same with the QX50, plus great new deals on Nissan Leafs and Rogues. Blake Price. Mm-hmm. It is all good at Applewood. It really is. I'm not lying. Told you off the start of that campaign. From time to time, I'm going to steal the uh, the tagline. Because I like it so much. Bodog poll question. You never sing it, though, I've noticed. Well, I'm saving that up. Mm, okay. Sang some Creed yesterday with Chris Faber. You did, yeah. Let's good. go there. Oh, you don't need to do it again. Does the Canucks preseason record 1-3-1 one, and one, concern you? Yes or no? Vote at Sakarison Price on Twitter. Bodog, your source. Free casino games, poker strategy, and sports odds. The big one tomorrow night at BC Place. Lions and Bombers. We'll get to that in a second. I'm taking the over. Over 55.5 points on your Bodog line of the day. It's not the record that concerns me. It's a bit of the process here. I can steal a coaching phrase. Because Rick Tockett was hired last year and had to come in last year, right? Couldn't just tank the rest of the season for Bedard. Had to bring the new coach in to get the jump start on habits, standards, culture. Yep. And you look at the Canucks through these five preseason games And last night, he's bemoaning a lack of communication on the ice, taking too many penalties, missing open nets. We still don't know or aren't sure if we have a solution beside Quinn Hughes. So I am getting a little concerned about that. Not a whole lot of offense out of this Canuck team through five games. And granted, it's preseason, so it's different lineups, and I get all that. I don't put a lot of stock into preseason results. And, of course, another year where they're spending a lot of time practicing out at UBC. You may have noticed yesterday. No game day skate at UBC, only to bus out to Abbotsford. I'm sure the players were like, no, we ain't doing that again. <laughs> and then there was the game itself, which, you know, had Marquise with Quinn Hughes and JT Miller, but they called those six guys up, throw that lineup out there in Abbotsford. As Patterson noted, probably not a lot of walk-ups, some empty end zones there. Given the lineup that you dressed and how your stars didn't play, we anticipate they will all play tomorrow against Calgary in the preseason finale. Shots are 4-2 after one period, and I think a lot of the people who made the trek out to Abbotsford went, uh, why bother? This is a big nothing burger. A 2-1 loss to Seattle Kraken. And, and Carson Soucy scored against his old team. I think early on in this relationship, I think there was still a fascination, but now they mm-hmm. know they get to see the Abbey Canucks on the regular yeah. and seeing... 
Brock Besser play right. with the Abbey Canucks, that's not a huge draw right. for a game that means nothing. Yeah, I, I, I think it's incumbent on them now to send a real lineup to Abbotsford if they're going to continue with the preseason. Yeah, if you're, gonna, if you're going to guarantee me that Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes yeah. are on the ice, then I'm going to go if I'm in Abbotsford. One of, our, one of our longstanding listeners, Brittany, texted us. She said, was at the game last night, $70 plus per ticket. Quite disappointing given all the cuts. My bar, my boyfriend joked he could have played for a period with how slow the game was. <laughs> Thought at least Kuzmenko would put on a show and Hoaglander would give more. It would have been nice if Captain Quinn could have at least played, but I guess the lowly Burbs fans don't matter. And that's the risky run if you're the Canucks is mm-hmm. getting people's sentiment like that. Mm-hmm. Cole McWard continues to be one of the areas of focus here. It's funny because I, I saw J-Pat tweet that he didn't much care for his game last night. I saw others who seemed to like his game last night. I do wonder if there's a segment of the fan base now that is wishing him to be true. I do sort of wonder whether coaching staff and management is wishing him to be true at this stage of the proceedings. We'll see what the pairing is with Hughes tomorrow, or if it is going to be committee. But I know Jeff has been you know, calling for Ian Cole, see more of Ian Cole there. And I do wonder whether Talkett is just going to have to bite the bullet and play one of those two free agent lefties beside Quinn Hughes in the final dress rehearsal before the season and home opener Wednesday against Edmonton. I mean, that will be the ultimate, you know, hand laid down here by Rick Talkett. I mean, if he goes back to McWard on Friday night, I mean, my goodness. Um, I, I don't know how you change horses for opening night. Yeah, well, we're down to... You know, the great Radomver battle line about Willie Desjardins, you know, I'd like to gain some chemistry and have a little bit of time with the guys I'm actually going to play with in the regular and season. And Ian Cole didn't back down from his ability to play the right side yesterday no, when he no, was asked about it. From but, it. I mean, if you haven't done it, it would be, be nice to just remind yourself, yeah. oh, yeah, that's yeah, that's what I have to do differently. I forgot. You know, like, you know, it's just a little mm-hmm. bit of rust to kick off, I would think. So... Let's hear from Coach Talkett on what he wants to see in the preseason finale. The question here is from Jeff. Well, just bearing down. Like, you know, we, we got to get some offers from some guys. You know, um, you know, there's some chances around the net. You know, body get, get body position and put it in. I think sometimes we're taking things for granted. Oh, oh I got it. But, you know, you got to bear down. And even on those empty, there's a couple of times there's empty nets. You got to hit the net. We've had a tough time this camp hitting the net. Um, so um, that's something we'll work on. I thought we were better in the paint, though. Like, we, we talked about it. Mike Yo put a little uh, video together about getting people in the net. I thought we were a lot better at the net, going to the net tonight. So that, that's, a, that's a positive for us. A positive, but coupled with missing empty nets. I mean, yikes. Also, you know, again, when you hear things like that, well, you're praising a bunch of guys that aren't going to be in your lineup. So... Do you think it's possible they have a goal-scoring problem? I mean, it's interesting you bring that up. Uh, we just assume that they don't. Um, and they were actually Pretty good power play last year, 11th in the league. They were actually further down the goals for column than you'd think, I believe, at first blush. So I, I don't know that you just all of a sudden take for granted that they're going to be a league leader in terms of goals f- scored this season. It's not the go-to worry for a lot of people, most likely. But I don't think you just take it for granted. Um, because, you know, there, there's a lot of young players on this team that are are capable of some steps backward. The Canucks were 
13th in goals last year. Yeah. Uh, Just barely into the top half. Right. They were um, 11th in power play percentage, but they were 17th in net power play percentage. Getting a lot of opportunities. Mm -hmm. Um, And giving up some shorties. And giving up a lot of shorties. Mm -hmm. So I'm not concerned about it, but... You know, are they going to be able to? I don't think you just say, "Oh, they'll score their way out of trouble." They they mm-hmm. they can't do what the Oilers do, no, in scoring their way out of no. trouble, or the Canucks of ten years ago, right? Now uh, I've they, heard a lot of wistful sort of reminiscing on that team about how good they were, how clinical they were, and all of that is true. But I also remember many a night against weaker opposition. Blake we used to joke about this all the time. Ah. We'll play the third period. We got this. So many nights. There were so many nights. Calgary was down. Edmonton was down. They sort of toy with the Alberta teams for 40 minutes. And the next thing you know, here came the third period. Resounding Canucks victory. Canucks would sleepwalk through 40 minutes. Mm -hmm. They get two power plays in the third score on both of them. Win 2-1. Yeah. What they can do is defend better, not have to rely on Demko bailing them out, which in theory should tell you they don't have to score as much. And here's where the good news is, that Cole and Susie and Bluger and Suter are making a difference on the penalty kill. Four for four again last night, penalty killing. This was an abhorrent unit for the Vancouver Canucks for two consecutive seasons, and it has shown a lot of progress. Let's hear from Coach Tockett on the PK. Penalty kill was good. I think I, I've, the penalty kill the last three, four games has been really good. That's one good thing. Um, you know, but we, we you know, it's, we're on the wrong side of the penalties all the time, so we got to clean that up. And he's and he's right. They've taken a ton. I mean, we're looking at these candidates on defense, and one of the things working against Cole McWard is it's five penalties he's taken in this preseason, three in one game. A couple of them, as you'll hear later from Patrick Johnson, sort of chasing the game. Breezeball with a couple of penalties last night. Penalties tend to come to the guys who are a step slow either physically or a step slow in their read, and then they have to compensate before they get beat. And just remember, we have to remind everybody every single year, the referees make statements in October. They call everything in October. And the younger players are a step behind. They've forgotten how fast the league is when they actually drop the puck in the regular season. Mm -hmm. They reach out to grab and trip and hook. Lots right. of power plays early on. All that said, the penalty killing has been really good in the preseason. Oh, much better, I'm sure. And uh, for the most part, uh, defending has been better too. Now, we do all remember Tockett coming in here and asked for his early observations, and he was like, God, it's such a quiet group, like outside of JT Miller. And look, if you just have a bunch of guys who are a little more introverted and you don't have a whole lot of that rah-rah in the room and it's one or two loud, boisterous guys who are doing that all the time, fair enough. I mean, people's personalities are their personalities. Mm-hmm. But on-ice communication is something that is required. And Tockett commented on that last night, and I, I, I have trouble understanding this because is this not something that's – Coached into you, minor hockey all the way up, and it certainly needs to be there at the NHL level. Here's coach on there just not communicating on the ice. And we weren't talking, you know. That's the big thing when you know what's going on. You're, you're yelling. Time, reverse, right up, and sometimes we're a quiet team. We, you got to 
you got to verbal that stuff, and that helps people. So I think maybe a couple times he, he didn't hear anybody. But, uh, yeah, yeah, we'll work on that stuff. Got to verbal it. Got to. And it can't be the goalie yelling behind the net. It's got to be other guys. The goalie? What does the goalie know? Our goalie is quite verbal. <laughs> He's getting more and more he verbal. He verbals all the time. Yeah, very good. Reverse. Very. Rim it up. Rim it up. One thing I have has I would, never I would, failed with Grady is, is communication. I have never once said, gosh, I wish he communicates more. Remind me never to play pickup with Grady. If Grady was yelling at me to. Are, are you one of these glare and yell uh, record league goalies, Grady? Absolutely. Okay. Communication is key. Have you uh, sacrificed any friendships in the uh, pursuit of uh, perfection? If I did, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> He's got so many friends, too, he doesn't even notice exactly. them drop off. I see that C division yeah. title yeah. in Beer League. That's what I want. I'm going. That's back. what matters. He's got friends falling out of his pocket. Oh, excuse me. That one's mine. But, I mean, uh, talk gets right. I mean, I get I get angry at my grade eight. I don't get angry. I speak, get to, my, I speak to my grade eight field hockey team about communication. So, never mind a professional hockey team. So, yeah, they've got it. It's hard to know. Where we sit, mm-hmm. how verbal a team is, but if talk is not hearing them, my goodness. Are you one of those, I'm not upset, I'm just disappointed? No, no I don't say that. Oh, okay. Good to know. They're my bad news bears. Oli Levy has signed in Timra, in the Swedish League, not an NHL player. Fifth mm-hmm. overall pick in the draft, not an NHL player. Jake Vertanen, sixth overall pick in the draft, not really an NHL player. Zach Benson? NHL player. Yeah, I saw. I saw. I saw Stanchion talking about this. Mm-hmm. Like, Wheelander's got to be something. No, he's got to be an NHL player at the very least because the Benson. Well, it's, it's not just Benson. It's sending Pelica, as we yeah. said yesterday. It because there was a a scouting opinion that the Canucks reached for a positional handed need at eleventh overall. A long, long way to go there. Yep. Sadly, not a long way to go for Ole Ulevi outside of his new destination on the other side of the Atlantic. Except, Matt, it might not be a long way to go for Zach Benson to start his National Hockey League career. That's He's the not going to make their team here, is he? I don't know. That's a pretty loaded forward group. I mean, I can... He's had a pretty loaded preseason. Yeah. And he's playing top line, so... But maybe they're just saying, hey, let's see what you got here play with these guys if you can make it work i wouldn't be surprised if he gets the nine game look but we'll yeah. see really yeah that sounds like it could be awfully small guys wow i mean i'm just you know look at the forwards they can throw out there mm-hmm. well you put him with tage thompson and it kind of offsets things, well right? room created yeah no i that's It'll be fascinating to track. A group of young players in Buffalo, it must be said. Yes. With or without Benson That's this right. year. Goodness yes. gracious. Yeah. And the ability you to know, add what, him whenever. What they Oof. have on the NHL team, what they have dipping toes in the NHL, and then what they have below the NHL level on the come. Yeah. Boy, is that a good-looking group in Buffalo. Quinn, Savoie, Benson. Right. No, but Rosen, Kulich, yep. like it goes on and on and on. Their group of young players. Uh, in fact, I'm I'm hoping they uh, have a good year and make the Stanley Cup playoffs this year. 
because I think that could be a really fun team to watch. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm half cheering for them, absolutely. Oh, for sure. yeah, Especially they've been so down for so long. Uh, Cursed teams, I'd like to see them rise up. Absolutely. Out of Buffalo, Ottawa, Detroit, I think they're the closest. I think they're better than Ottawa and Detroit, yes. I know people are concerned about their goaltending, and, and so be it. It's unproven. But I th- I think they're the better team. Uh, well, Delane and Power. <laughs> Look who they got patrolling the left side. Two first overalls. That should go a long way. It really should. Yeah. Especially, like, Delane is now coming into his superpowers. And uh, Power maybe a year or two away from being uh, a top-flight NHL defenseman himself. And Dylan Cousins as their 2C is uh, not too bad either. No. People worry about Middlestat. He's pretty darn good now, too. Mm-hmm. Victor Olofsson had 28 goals last year. Alex Tuck, like everyone thought, oh, they lost the Eichel trade because they gave up the best player. Tuck had 36 goals last year and 79 points. That, Plus he's a monster who can skate. That could be uh, a trade where we evaluate it at the end and go, yeah, kind Both of teams won. Kind yeah, of I think you might be able to say that. We'll see yeah. what Krebs does there. I think he slaughtered to be their fourth C, but again, that's behind Cousins and Middlestad and Thompson. Both team ones especially win because it was an untenable situation too, right? Like rarely in these untenable situations does the team trading away the star player right. come away feeling at all good about what happened, but they might here. Although I think Colorado did really well on the Duchesne trade. It was untenable. It looks like uh, Ottawa did very well with the Eric Carlson trade. Well, even Who's go to untenable. Nordiques did well. Oh, uh, Nordiques <laughs> did very well on the Lindros trade. Hey, San Jose may well do okay on the Carlson Trey, but we're a long ways from that. Well, even back to Buffalo, O'Reilly for the Thompson package, right? Right. right. That, yeah. that worked at, in the moment a- a- for them, and, and uh, now Buffalo may work out as well. Commissioner Bettman saying yesterday that the salary cap next year—it's early, but looking like it will come in between eighty-seven and eighty-eight million dollars. So about a five million or four million dollar increase from where it is now, with the chance that it rises even more. Or the other now, again, way, or the other no, way. I, I, I don't think so, Blake, because it's only a $50 million debt left from the players to the owners after they recalculated during COVID. Bettman allowed that is going to be paid off and, and quite easily here this year. So I, I, I think you are 99% certain that this cap is going up, and I think you're pretty certain that it's going up by several million dollars. And again, this is not necessarily newsflash. I think we knew a lot of this before the commissioner spoke yesterday. I'm just putting it out there because, you know, and I, I appreciate what Frank Cervelli told us last week, that he doesn't think the Vancouver Canucks have tabled the offer uh, financially that Elias Pettersson would accept. But, like, if the Canucks front office needed reassurance that the cap was going to be going up three, four, five million million, they effectively got it yesterday. There was nothing really preventing them from offering Elias the big money deal prior to what we heard yesterday. But now you have even more recourse yep. to say, you know what, we can offer him 11 and a half or we can offer him 12 because we look at our cab next year and for the first time in a long time, we got enough money coming off the books. And yeah, you got to pay your stars if you're going to win. So we'll see if anything develops on that file between now and next week when the season starts for real and of course monday folks is when you'll see roster set because tuesday is the actual opening night of the national hockey league and so we're going to have a show on monday thanksgiving monday because we anticipate a canucks roster plus lions and whitecaps 
coming off big games. And we'll start with the BC Lions. Home tomorrow against Winnipeg, the 11-4 first place showdown. Whoever comes out of this game the winner has a magic number of one to clinch the West. BC ends its season at Calgary or at Hamilton and home to Calgary. Winnipeg en- ends its season home to Edmonton and at Calgary. Lions lose this game, and I would have very little faith that Winnipeg would go 0-2 against the Alberta teams, particularly Edmonton at home. Now, at Hamilton is still a tough game. The Tiger Cats came in here and beat up BC. I don't love that uh, an Eastern road trip that late in the schedule. No, it's weird. Particularly when Hamilton may have something to, something to play for. So it's not a must-win game because you can host the West semi and, and go on to win the West final. We've seen that a number of times. But but I do feel like BC has got to win tomorrow if they're going to have designs on first place in the West and the Western final. The upper bowl is open. As we've told you, they had less than 1,000 tickets at one point in the lower bowl, so it should be a fantastic crowd there. And you're working the sidelines. I know Farhan's doing play-by-play. And I think you're going to see this game build a little bit as a referendum on the league's MOP. Vernon Adams who leads the league in passing yards. Zach Caleros, who leads the league in passing touchdowns. I still think Brady Oliveira He's needs some shine. He's got an outside shine. chance, yeah. I absolutely. think Oliveira needs some shine in that discussion as a 1,300-yard rusher who's like 300 yards better than the next guy. Lions have not won the season series with the Bombers since 2017. Well, this has been the Bomber era. It's been a very good era for Winnipeg, undoubtedly. And here's the thing. They're getting healthy. Suk Chung is back on the offensive line, starting at guard. Jalen Edwards-Cooper on the corner. David Mackey, the fullback, but also a very valuable special teamer. He's back. And Dane Evans is back if you need to go to the backup quarterback told you yesterday, Janarian Grant returns for Winnipeg. He's electric on kick returns. So big test for Mike Benavides and his coverage units tomorrow. But the Lions get a bit of a break in terms of the Winnipeg corners with no Demary Houston. So there's maybe an opportunity there for the fabulous receiving core, which again is still operating at a a thousand percent here with uh, them being healthy for the only the uh, what third game, I think, this season. Um, maybe they get a bit of a break in coverage from the Bombers. Well, and 2,000-yard receivers already. We spoke to one of them yesterday, and Alexander Hollins, Keon Hatcher has eclipsed 1,000 yards for the BC Lions. And then you've got a couple of guys who, with goods closest to the uh, season, I mean, it's a bit of a stretch, but uh, Lucky, White, uh, Lucky Whitehead and Javon Couture are both around the 600-yard mark. In receiving, plus we knew, I mean, Rhymes would have been a 1,000 yards easy if he stays healthy. So a loaded Lions receiving group. And the other thing, and you see this a lot in the Canadian Football League, small league, lots of player movement. But, you know, I imagine those, there are some ex-Lions who will have the bit between their teeth tomorrow. Adam Bighill, for one. Yogi Hardrick at right tackle. Winston Rose on the corner. Sergio Castillo. Remember when the best thing about the Lions season was Sergio Castillo and how good a kicker he was? Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) So anyways, looking forward to tomorrow night at BC Place. How about the Whitecaps? They have clinched an MLS postseason berth. They do so with two games to play. They do so after destroying the best team in the MLS West, St. Louis, 3-0 last night at BC Place. And they have a gigantic game Saturday at their Cascadia rivals, the Seattle Sounders. Is Seattle still doing Im- immense crowds there? Um, no, not, not quite immense, the same. but nice crowds. Yeah. 
Vancouver right now, fifth in the conference, so one spot away from home field advantage in a best-of-three first round. They are tied on points with Real Salt Lake. The problem is Real has a game in hand, but they're three just, there's just three points back of second-place Seattle. Chance to draw even on points with a win on Saturday. Do you know what the first tiebreaker is in MLS? It's wins. Okay, so Seattle has the advantage there. Now, but if Vancouver were to win and tie them, they would, they both, would both be on They'd be 13-10 and 10. Here's the kicker. Right now, goal differential, seven each. So let's say the Whitecaps won one to nothing. Second? I think it might be. Okay. Tiebreaker, turnover wins, goal differential, yep. Yeah, per match. So. Okay. So right now, if the if the as long as the Caps win, they would they would break the tie with Seattle at the very least, saying nothing about where Salt Lake and LAFC would be at that point. Vancouver also just two points back of third place LAFC. That would work by way of home field advantage if you were to finish in the third spot. Yep, for sure. Now, one of the problems Vancouver has here is if they don't win, Real Salt Lake is at Sporting KC, and look. KC is still in this, so they have something to play for, but it's not a very good side. And the other problem is LAFC. On the road in Austin, so that's good that they're on the road, but it's not a great team in Austin. So there's an opportunity there for the Caps to make some headway. Mm -hmm. We'll see. Take care of your own business. Right. Let's see what else happens. You also got to be concerned about the teams that are behind you. Sixth place Houston is one point back of Vancouver, and they're at Colorado, so that's a very winnable game. And then seventh place, seventh place Portland, three back. They have to go all the way to Montreal. Yeah. Who did the Caps a big favor with a goal at the death, death tie, yes. tie Houston. Because so. yeah, it should have been three points for Houston. They were leading that match. And if Houston oh. if Houston holds on there, the, the Whitecaps are still in six. They win that game last night. They'd, they wouldn't have climbed a rung. Tell me there will be an early snowfall in Montreal on Saturday. Oh, yeah, really throw a wrench into things. Yeah. One of the reasons Montreal has uh, home games a little backdated in the MLS schedule is because they just can't rely on the weather in that city mm-hmm. in March and April. Montreal's desperate, though, so they'll get okay. the best of Montreal. Kubis is injured. Bad yeah. shoulder injury yesterday. Do you have an update there? I, I don't. Um, after the game, uh, Vanny said that he didn't have anything more than it was uh, a shoulder injury. Um, I didn't like the look of it at all. I, I mean, he it, it was one of those things where they had to support it immediately. You know, he they walked him gingerly to the nearest exit. He was nowhere near the the dressing room. So I, I, I don't love the look at that at all, although – we know Seb Berhalter has been fabulous as his understudy, and Berhalter comes on and scores a great goal. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, if it's only a week, and remember they've got the bye, uh, they got the international break after that. So if it's a two-week injury, it's totally fine. Not a big deal. But they need him back for the playoffs. Indeed. Ryan Gauld, your working-class MVP. Thank you to the Whitecaps. They sent over baseball caps, the promotional campaign. It's on. For Gauld as MVP. And then you have Brian White who's two goals back of the scoring lead with 15. He got another yesterday. This is the three-way tie for third right now at 15. 17 is the lead. He's got goals in four straight. Wow. It's just unbelievable. A Canadian soccer news. Senior men's national team unveiling their squad for a 
friendly against number 19 ranked Japan in on Friday, October 13th in Japan. Yeah, kind of Max, fun. Max Crapo is back. Yeah. Listen amongst one of the keepers. We'll see if he plays. Three solid keepers now, by the way. When you bring out Crapo, yeah, not to mention you guys got like, you have like Sirwa behind there. They're, 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 Canadian keeping is not an issue. Atacube and Larea from the Whitecaps. Alfonso Davies. And Hoylet. Oh, and Hoylet. Mm-hmm. Sorry, my bad. Uh, Alfonso Davies listed as a defender. Which uh, that's is just the way interesting. to do it. Yeah. Then there is. Luc de Fougerolles. Oh, And despite his name, he is born and raised in London, England. He's got a Canadian, French-Canadian father from Montreal. He can play fullback, centre-back, or midfield. This is his first call-up to the Canadian national team. He was going to be capped for the U-20 team, but COVID got in the way. He's a 17-year-old who grew up in London and plays in Fulham's system and is for their under-18 team. He moved to the Youth Academy of Fulham at the age of eight, so he's been ingrained in the so Fulham system. he was an early targeted youth. Yeah. And then here's the other thing. You might be asking, well, who's coaching this team? Because John Herdman is coaching TFC. Canada Soccer has announced that the head coach of the York Lions men's and women's program, Carmine Sacco, has joined camp alongside Stephen Caldwell and Paul Stalteri. Wow. Stephen, out of the booth and out of the pitch. He's been nibbling around the edges of this for a while. He's been, yes. he's been coaching, yep. Caldwell yep. has been. Um, the but- question being, can these players understand Scottish? <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we know uh, Alistair Johnson is uh, probably up to snuff now after having uh, moved over there. Watching some of that Becca, new Beckham documentary and Alex Ferguson... You still have to sort of really focus in and listen to Sir Alex to make sense of what he's saying. One other new name, by the way, on that Canada roster, Harry Payton is uh, another guy. He's, speaking of which, playing in Scotland as well with Motherwell. Mm. So, um, yeah, some new new names there. Oh, baseball. Wow. Gross. And, and I will say this. My hat's off to media who cover the Toronto Blue Jays, particularly those under the Rogers umbrella, because not much was held back in the aftermath. Jamie Campbell on the post-game television side saying the customers deserve to hear from the analytics department. Jeff Blair, and I listened to him and Kevin Barker on the radio post-game show calling the front office clowns. Scott MacArthur, who's independent like us, saying you know Shapiro needs to face the music here. Blue Jays get swept in the wild card round for the second straight season. If you're thinking, well, it can't be worse than the huge comeback Seattle made last year to beat them at home. <laughs> Jose Barrios, who's absolutely dealing, removed after 47 pitches of shutout ball. Now, the Blue Jays, and this is important to note because they did their best to say so on the broadcast last night. Oh, and by the way, Buck, Buck Martinez joined the fray in real time. There's no reason for him to come out of that game. You didn't know what Kikuchi was going to do. You knew what Barrios was doing. There was no reason to make that change. Buck's not a big analytics guy. No, he's not. But, and as Sid Sexero pointed out, you gave Barrios $131 million. (laughs) You can't trust him past the third? 37th pitch. So it's got to be explained. And uh, my education on this has come a ways thanks to talking with Andy Dunn and everything that goes on, even at the minor league level. Mm Mm-hmm. 
the Blue Jays front office looked at this game and chose to quote-unquote script it. What that meant was for yesterday is that second time through the order, they wanted to bring Kikuchi in, the left-hander, who was fresh, to face a couple of those Minnesota left-handed hitters, hoping the Twins would replace those lefty bats with right-handed hitters early in the game. So get them into their bench early in the game because the Blue Jays front office and management trusted their right-handed relievers to pitch to the Minnesota right-handed hitters. They feel they're better with their righties than their lefties out of the pen, and Minnesota is weaker with their righty hitters as opposed to their lefty hitters, so that's why Barrios was pulled. And Schneider did a admirable, classy job wearing it in the postgame. He said, look, you can blame me, you can blame the organization. He, he took the fall. He did have one line, though, when he was pressed, and I'll praise Rash Madani, and there was a second person in the uh, official interview room who were pressing him on details of the change. And Schneider said at one point, and it was a great line, I understand the weight of the day is today when talking about analytics, mm-hmm. which is effectively what Buck Martinez was saying. Yeah. Look, in a perfect world, the law of averages, get what you were doing. All makes sense. Over 162 for sure. Exactly. Yeah. But you had to be cognizant of what was happening in the moment. Yeah. And the other thing I hate about it, and I've told you this for several Octobers now, is we're removing some of the story, some of the narrative, some of the myth-making from the baseball playoffs. For me, the baseball playoffs are memorable and, and good television because the starting pitcher almost works as your lead actor. Yeah. Jack Morris pitching 10 innings. Oral Hershiser In 1991 mm-hmm. to win the yeah. Twins Game 7. Yeah. Oral Hershiser coming out of the bullpen after he had been so great as a starter for yeah. the Dodgers in 88 against a mighty Oakland team that they upset. Madison Baumgartner a few years ago for the Giants being called on to get the final nine outs or whatever it was, close out a series. Even, even the lobotomized it, Kurt ex- Schilling. I mean, no, exactly. Yeah. You don't have that anymore. So the question now is who walks the plank, if anyone? Shapiro is seeing the stadium renovation through. I can't imagine they're going to move on him. Schneider would be an unfortunate scapegoat. I think it's got to be Atkins and his department. We'll see. But of course... This wasn't just an organizational script gone wrong. Your two best players made base-running blunders in this game that cost you. Bichette getting thrown out at home plate in game one. And then Vladimir Guerrero, who is too busy fist-pumping and cheering on Bo Bichette at the plate, drifting off second base, getting caught with a pickoff move, and Carlos Correa and Sonny Gray, the Minnesota shortstop and pitcher, who did the deed there, acknowledged in the post game. It was really loud. We noticed he would drift off second base a little bit. We decided to put the pickoff play in. Great job, Minnesota. Well, and, and, you know, I think the pitching debate is a good one in a 7-5 loss for the Jays. In the end, 14 hits over the two games, one extra base hit. They Do the math there, folks. 13 singles for a team that has Bichette Guerrero, Belt, Springer with all of his postseason But, but home I runs. think that's the problem, Blake, is is they don't actually have uh, enough power hitting. Like, they wanted Vladdy to be it. He ain't it. Like, it is shocking that they relied on a journeyman platoon guy like Belt as much right. as they did this year. Yeah, that's true. Three for 14 with runners in scoring mm-hmm. position in those two yeah. games. Varsho with his 20 home runs, though. Yeah. Again, like, nobody stepped up. Nobody had a bat working, no. and that's the reason they lost. 
Since 2015, two front offices, three field managers, two sets of star hitters, five postseasons, and it's still an immature, undisciplined, poor fundamental ball club. That's the thing that would be eating at me. Mm -hmm. And now the big question, do you build around Vladdy and Bo? Because the Blue Jays have chosen the past, a different path these days. Atlanta, Seattle, a bunch of these organizations have seen guys in some cases off a half season and go, that's our guy, and sign them to big long-term extensions. Seattle did so with J-Rod. Atlanta did with several players. The Blue Jays have chosen a different route with Bo and Vladdy. They have chosen to wait. They have more information. What are they going to do with that information? I think you move on, Vlad, while there's still some. You would be selling low, though. Well, would you, though? Would you? They, they, you I think there's still enough gold yeah. on him. Especially since he's still reasonably cost-controlled. So they could run it back next year, removing the UFA, so are Chapman, Kiermaier, Belt, Merrifield, Ryu, Hicks, and Garcia. It's coming close to $60 million off the books. You'd have a big hole at third base. And boy, I know Chapman is frustrating as a strikeout guy, but he's incredible defensively. Did you see that bunt play? Yeah. No, I, I like no but this is what I like yeah. about Chapman. You got so many guys who have heads in the clouds out there with the Jays. Chapman is so on it that the second the guy turns to bunt, he is racing from his third base spot. And was that just about the easiest throw out of a surprise, quote-unquote, bunt? So I, I, I don't know where you'd be defensively without him. And you probably need another big bat in the outfield. Varsho can play center if need be. Maybe the kid Schneider DHs next year, but you need a big bat there. You need something at third base. Starting pitching next year could still be very good. Gosman, Bassett, Barrios, Kikuchi, Manoa if he pounces back, or Tiedemann? Otani? Uh, <laughs> I'm not buying that. I'm not buying that. There's your Vlad deal. Well, well he's a free he's agent. Free agent. Yeah. Yeah. It would have to come with a guaranteed contract. How about Trout? Congratulations to our winner of the BC Lions tickets tomorrow, Josh in Surrey. Have a fantastic time, Josh. You not only got a pair of tickets, you got a food and bad voucher, and you got a gift card at the team store. Let's get to today's man. You didn't forget Joey Votto in that whole mix for next Right. Year. Votto's coming in. Yeah. Yeah. You did forget that. Votto's going to come in in DH. He's going to be your platoon with David Schneider. Yeah. You need an impact outfielder. You need somebody at third base. Man, you probably need another reliever. Hopefully a power lefty. And if they're all drinking AG1, they're going to be just <laughs> fine. You get a little boost of energy, at least I did. And you know that you're in tip-top shape and taking care of those foundational nutritional needs that your body uh, requires. So uh, we want to get you started. Go to drinkag1.com slash and Price. You'll get a special offer. Patrick Johnson, some hashtags, and you think it's bad for the Jays. How about the Mariners in the press conference that happened yesterday? As well, Rob Williams, Rob the Hockey Guy on all things Canucks. No matter what you're buying, folks, when you're out in the world looking for this, that, and the other, I think you want to support businesses that you feel good about supporting. You can feel good about supporting the Applewood Auto Group. Uh, They've made the car business and communities around them a whole lot better with their work in the community. Go and find out why it is indeed all good at Applewood. Visit them online anytime at applewood.ca. Happy Hour brought to you by Yellow Dog Brewing Neighborhood Brewing Workshop Spirits and the Penticton V season well underway. Means it's time to visit the Neighborhood Watch. It's a vendor experience at the South Okanagan Event Center 
enjoy your favorite neighborhood beers while attending any event for a Penticton V's game. And Blake and I have been there several times. Fantastic vantage point. End of the workday. Treat yourself to a yellow dog neighborhood or workshop spirit. Here's some price from Wall Center and a presentation of Applewood Auto Group. Head down to the Richmond Auto Mall right now. I implore you here in the month of October, still some crisp, clear days. Go for a test drive. Try the plug-in edition of the Mitsubishi Outlander at Applewood Mitsubishi and uh, find out what I've been finding. It's a really fun car to drive. Three rows of seats still for you family folk out there. Go take one for a test drive right now at the Richmond Auto Mall. Bodog poll question, does the Canucks preseason record concern you? Yes or no? We'll put it to our next guest, Bodog, your source. Pre-casino games, poker strategy, and sports odds. Oddsmakers continue to disrespect the Texans. They're two-and-a-half-point underdogs in Atlanta. Falcons coming off that London loss. I'm going to take Houston until uh, until they burn me. I'm going to buy the half point, so go plus three for $100. can win 71 on your Bodog line of the day. Here he is from the province and post media, and he'll be rolling with us on Thursdays this year, switch from his Tuesdays of last season. Mr. Patrick, Patty Johnston here with Sick Harrison Price. (laughs) The confetti's going off Thursdays, the big announcement, breaking news. (laughs) How are you? I'm I'm well. I'm good. Were you forced to make the track? Were you forced to make the track to see the nothing burger last night? No, Coos Coos got... uh, I think the Coos is happy straw, to drive. Huh? I don't know if you'd call a short straw. Well, I guess you. I guess you have to go early enough to deal traffic. But he's got his. He's got his. It's the he's short got his straw. Mark, you know, he goes out in his Mercedes, and he had a nice. I'm oh. sure he had a nice drive out there. Let me ask you this: Just um, to be clear, Merck is a Mercury, and that would be less mm-hmm. of a cool drive out to Abbotsford. Mercedes. Yes. Yeah. His Benz. Yeah. Not his his Benz. I couldn't remember what we call it anymore. Too much soccer in my life. <laughs> Not sure there's an Applewood Mercedes dealership, PJ. You're in <laughs> violation or, here. Or an Applewood Mercury dealership, because I don't think the brand is alive in Canada anymore. <laughs> but hey, that 87 Cougar. Oh, my oh, goodness. Yeah. It's a beauty. Um, did the Canucks do the folks of Abbotsford wrong here, billing Quinn Hughes and JT Miller only to call up six, well, Abbotsford guys and throw them in the lineup last night? I will say I was a little surprised when I showed up at UBC yesterday morning to see all the stars there. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's preseason. I did ask Rick Tockett last week, what's your kind of lineup plan here? And he talked about game four and game six, skipped over game five, that four and six would basically be where he played his full lineup. Right. Yeah, I was a little surprised, especially, you know, yeah, I mean, you're marketing your team. The marketing staff is going to market whoever's there, whoever's on their roster. Of course, they're going to say those guys. So I wouldn't hold that. But yeah, I was a little surprised um, that one of those guys was not there. I mean, PD obviously dealing with whatever it is he was dealing with. He didn't want to talk about it yesterday, um, but whatever was never going to be there. So, uh, you know, send the captain maybe. Well, we were mm-hmm. saying we were saying though, like there's a, another way to do it. You sent you you in the advertising, you do the collage. You do seven guys' faces, and if you go three for seven, even uh, yeah. at least you know that you weren't completely off. When you do the solo shots, and literally it's the three stars. <laughs> the the three the three advertisements I saw were the three stars that yeah. were not there, and that's that, that's a little unfortunate. Yeah, answer me the answer me the poll. Are you concerned with the preseason record? 
Well, you mentioned this as we were coming in, so I quickly did try to see if I could remember what the actual like 2010 preseason. I, I have this dim memory of 10, 2010 being a terrible preseason. There, there have been good preseasons and bad preseasons. If they had lost every game 10 to nothing, if they had struggled to score, if they had, um, you know, looked like the Blue Jays batting uh, in pre, you know, in the, this week, um, I maybe would be concerned, but. They had a good win last week. They, they, they. I'm a little nervous about the scoring, but then again, when they pl- didn't put any of their stars in the lineup, they didn't score. Quinn Hughes looks ready to go. I, I'm, I'm ready to get on to the regular season. I preseason is about guys skating around, getting warmed up. It's the results. Like I said, if they'd lost four or five games in a row, ten nothing, if they weren't scoring, uh, I'd be more concerned. I, 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 in the end, the question is going to be, can they defend? Can they kill penalties? Can they make their power play better? And those will only really be answered when we play real games starting next week. Habits, standards, culture, and he's bemoaning a lack of on ice communication, too many penalties and missing open nets in the preseason. Is the uh, Rick Tockett project on schedule or do you think the personnel is holding it back here? A little. I mean, to me, this point maybe will change when we look back in hindsight. But at this point, I think this is a coach just hammering home his message, right? Like, you should be expecting all these things. These are the things we need to do. We need to remember he's making it clear. He's sort of putting a stamp on this is what we're doing. Um, just because a coach talks about problems doesn't mean there are problems. Just as if the coach doesn't talk about problems means there are no problems. Um, uh, I think it's just messaging. I took it as just messaging. This is a coach that says, this is what we need to be doing. And, you know, it, it gives us easy things to talk about. And it certainly will give us things to measure this team going forward. That's that's what I, I'm, I'm thankful. Rick's, Rick Tockett has proven to be a very open, very clear coach and what he expects. And um, it'll be pretty easy to evaluate as we go forward. I'll say this, guys, doubling back a little bit to the, to the preseason performance. I, I, I did a... Price is right on this, either last year or the year before. And the starts have only gotten worse when you think about what last season looked like. The, this team doesn't start well in the regular season. And it, should you not want to have a better preseason to launch yourself into the regular season? You know, is there any carryover there at all about how you feel? Because you know what? If, if there was proof in the pudding, empirical evidence here that Hey, yeah. So they go one and five in the preseason, but you know they're five and one out of the gate, or even five and three out of the gate. That'd be one thing. But we know this team starts terribly, or has been starting terribly in the months of October and November for time eternal. Um, shouldn't you want to practice winning? <laughs> yeah, I get it. I I just it, it like I said, I'm focused on I'm I'm, I'm focused on tomorrow. On this is the full line of again. They'll you're on to like, Calgary, is what you're telling me here. Well, I'm I want to see what they do against Calgary. Like that Calgary is supposed to have the full lineup. I was a little surprised they didn't. The Oilers didn't have McDavid in the lineup on Sunday. It was or on Saturday. It was never going to be the full lineup given they played on Friday night. Um, but yeah, I want to see what this team looks like against a real NHL team. And as far as I can understand, talking to my colleagues in Calgary, that the Flames will dress their roster, even though they have 30 guys today. Still, somehow, um, but that that the test will be there will be a full test tomorrow, and um, I get Blake, I get what you're saying, you know? but but <laughs> uh, 
the, until the, they the, prove me wrong, I'm going to say, yeah, sure, maybe yeah, they sure. should try to win a bit. You know? uh, sure. But I, I see, you know, I've, I, there have been plenty of preseasons that we've seen in the past when this team was good, which obviously was a long time ago. A long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> but there were plenty of preseasons that were underwhelming for a variety of reasons, sometimes because they didn't get a bounce, sometimes because they weren't prepared, sometimes because, you know, they didn't dress full lineups. Um at the end of the day, preseason is about getting warmed up. I mean, at the beginning of the season, like last year, yeah, they weren't ready. They weren't ready to go. They looked terrible. They looked out of sorts. They couldn't get any bounces. You know, JT Miller was on the ice for all eight goals against, as he reminded me in Minnesota, I think it was. Um, but that was, that That was you know, you hope this team is better prepared than last year. And whether they win or not, this is, a, this is to go back to a word that Blake used to like talking all about. This is a process question. And we are now deciding, discussing whether the process here is what is, is actually the right process. Are they going mm. to be ready to go? And we will see very soon. Have you been impressed with Cole McWard? And do you honestly believe he's an option on opening night besides beside Quinn Hughes for any length of time, like for a significant length of time in game? Well, I mean, I wrote a thing on Saturday, actually during the game. Um, He took three penalties. Two of them were chasing the game penalties. Uh, He, there's, there's five penalties through the preseason. Yeah. Like there's definitely something there, but I'm not sure if it's, you know, I don't, I'm not convinced it's ready. Um, I was surprised they did give him a long rope, but again, when I showed up at UBC yesterday, there was Noel Juleson and I found myself thinking, okay, you know, obviously he's still here for a reason. Either it's because somebody's banged up, which is how he essentially made the team last year, or it's because they're seeing how much they can get from McWard and Juleson's going to play on Friday and they'll make the final call there. I think it's him or McCord for that, you know, both right shot defensemen. You look at how everything shakes out. Um, the, the committee thing that everyone kind of picked up on Monday kind of made me laugh because talk has been talking about committee since basically the start of training camp. Um, and the idea that, you know, that Quinn Hughes may have a few partners in a game, but you know, something that I really took to be like, Quinn Hughes is going to play a lot and then we'll just see who gets on the ice with him kind of thing. Like he, this guy's a point guard and we're, he's running, he's running the show on the, on the, on, on the ice and the, you know, the, the options available to him will depend on the situation basically. Um, I think Cole McCord clearly has bigger upside long-term than Noel Juleson. Noel Juleson is a defenseman that I think we can understand what he is. He's sort of a, a bit of an old school guy with an edge not the greatest feat in the world. Um, not known for being able to move the puck. He's a spare well, defenseman. He's, he's a spare a, defenseman. He's a seventh, or he's a call yeah. up, and at he's best, a call he's a call up. You know, he's, he's your first, you know, first pairing guy in the AHL, or he's number seven. Um, and Cole McWard probably is a third pairing defenseman because that's what it, most guys that are going to make it are probably just that. Um, I, you know, the Canucks clearly think there's a bit more upside there. You talk to some people who actually look at um, prospects, you know. Cam Robinson, guys like that, like they talk a lot about uh, his ability to move the puck. That he had some really good reads in college, but the question is, can he bring you know transition? And as I think I've said, oh, anytime he's ever come up, I think clearly you look at anybody's transition to the NHL, he would be best suited to have at least half a season in Abbotsford. Maybe he's a second half guy. Um, 
I, I do think the Ethan Bear question hangs over all of this too. Like, you know, you look at some of the math, you look at, you can build a roster, essentially the Canucks will have, give or take 500,000 under the cap um, that they can work with. Obviously it's not savings because Pullman, Tucker Pullman will be on LTIR, so you don't get any savings, but they'll have about $500,000 depending on how you structure your your roster to, to, to play with in terms of sort of salary hole. So you add that up to a league minimum, all of a sudden you get to like 1.2. And if you're signing a guy mid-season, that pro rates out to about that. Uh, if you're going to sign, say, Ethan Bear, if he's still an option in December. So, you know, a lot of this to me also just strikes me as sort of a holding pattern. You sort of see how you go, see how this committee works. And then you look for you, – you you see Bear as an upgrade on both of them. Let me ask you this, though, and I ask it openly, although I think I have an opinion on this. Um, is he – he's he's pedigreed more than these two guys are, and his general quality is, is higher. But is he the right mix, the right mate for Hughes on that pairing? Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I mean, he – I think actually was at his best last year when he was away from Quinn Hughes. That's um, what I was and, thinking. You know, and, and and had a lot more confidence in his game yeah. and ability to move, I, I, which comes back to this the, the committee point, which is that I, I really do find it interesting the way at least these guys think, whether it makes a difference and whether it actually works, whether it even matters uh, is an open question still. But there is an element there, like I said, that they're sort of looking at this guy saying, okay – he is different. We're going to get him on the ice as much as possible. And depending on the situation, there's going to be a different guy with him. We'd rather it be a right shot defenseman. And yeah, it might be Cole McCord at times. I, I, I think it comes, I think at the end of the day, Cole McCord makes more sense to send him down because he doesn't need waivers. I don't think you lose Noah Juleson on waivers, but at times guys like Noah Juleson do sort of in that last round of waivers. I know there haven't been a lot of guys picked up, but there's always that kind of last shuffle. There's always a couple guys that go on the sort of the eve of the season and they tend to look like guys like Juleson, sort of that guy has played a little bit. You kind of know what he is. You know he's not going to be a star or anything, but he can he can give you a few games and if you lose him, you lose him. But other teams might be willing to take a stab at him. And I, I think he is the kind of safe bet to open the season that you hang on to and then you make your decision when you have to start making some decisions. I mean, the, the other question in all this is, are they going to carry two extra defensemen? What happens when Ilya Mikheyev comes off waiver or comes off IR? And he was still skating in a non-contact jersey on Wednesday. I would be surprised if he played on Friday, but you know that's always a possibility, I suppose. Um, they're not skating today, so it seems like a long shot. They've countered him out. He's uh, Tocket yeah. has said he's not going to yeah. play. So yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I didn't think he was ever going to play, but like there was always that chance. So, but you know, you've got to think he's a guy that goes on the season opening trip, could get activated somewhere in the in that first stretch. Um, you know, th- there are still all these variables, but I, you know, at the end of the day, I I think it's going to probably be Juleson over McWard, and then you kind of make your decisions on from there, and you see how your lineup is. And yeah, like you're totally right. Is is Ethan Bear the right guy? I mean, he's a, he he would be an upgrade over what they have right now. Maybe you just do that anyway. You just add a you need NHL defensemen, guys that can move the puck. We know he can skate the puck. We certainly saw that in the second half of the season when he got a little more confidence and a little more understanding. I mean, the the system changed. And all of a sudden, Ethan Bear became more confident carrying the puck. He hadn't been that at the beginning when he said there was no direction and there was no instruction. So, 
which ties back into the overall big question is that all this stuff, you know, the system stuff that they said they tried to work on last year and started this year doing, will that matter? And, you know, will this team be any better in its own end than it has been the last two seasons? Connor Carrick on waivers today, if you care to go down that road again. Um, <laughs> doesn't even know I don't. <laughs> um, who do you like for the final forward spots there? What do you think the battle is shaping up there? Well, I, again, like I said, the Mikheyev question kind of hangs over this, but I think it's kind of shaken out the way it looks like. I mean, your extra guy is either going to be probably, I mean, I, is it Jack Studnika probably the extra guy to start with? It's hard to think that Dakota Joshua doesn't start in the lineup at this point. They definitely like, there was a question, I think it was last week, there was a question to talk it about Bluger and it might even be Jeff, but it was Bluger and Oman about the sort of the pair of them playing with Studnika. And he talked about how he liked, you know, Oman has come in, you know, was probably the fittest guys that they have and bigger and stronger and had played last year. And they just sort of like his attitude, you know, was terrible on faceoffs last year. I think his NHL future, if there is any, is as a winger. But notionally, they'll say, well, he has played some center. Um, he doesn't bring a lot offensively, but they seem to like the the sort of the notion of him. Studnika was not very good last year. And, you know, I have, I have a hard time imagining, it. you know, great. It's great that they like that he's been hustling and working hard in preseason. I just, I have a hard time imagining in the long run, he's anything more than a depth player. Um but I think I think he'll make the, the lineup start the season unless McCabe comes off IR and then probably Studnika goes on waivers. I, mm. I, I don't think they're going to wave him on. I think they like him too much. So here's the thing. Uh, the next time we talk to you, the Vancouver Canucks will have played a regular season game. Yes. Uh, the home and season opener against Edmonton on Wednesday. With most guests, we would need their prediction before that game goes down, but we're going to give you the free look-see before we ask you next week if they're a playoff team, all right? Sure, he he sure. can make snap judgments. Yeah, exactly. 5-1 exactly. ventilation exactly. by the Oilers. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The, the, yeah, the, you know, the Stanley, leading Stanley Cup contender Oilers. Uh, well, yeah, that they're fantastic. Hey. They are a fantastic measuring stick. I think, yeah, and I've already seen it, but I think you're going to see a lot of people picking Edmonton to win the yeah. cup. No, I, I think so too. This year. Thank you for this, Patrick. Have yourself a wonderful week. We'll catch up next Thursday. Take care guys. Harrison Price from Wall Center presentation Apple at Auto Group. Hashtags the best and worst of Twitter.com. Brought to you by Jason Hominick of Jason.Mortgage. If you have a great rate on your mortgage but still need equity out of your house, Jason has a solution where you keep your great rate and you access that equity without touching your existing mortgage. If your mortgage is up in the next six months, now is the time to reach out. Find him at Jason.Mortgage. Got two on Lionel Messi here at Paul Tenorio. Tens of thousands of fans came to Soldier Field on Wednesday night to watch Lionel Messi. The fire gave them a reason to come back for the home team. It's a microcosm of what MLS faces. How do we turn Messi fans into MLS or tonight fire Mm -hmm. fans? Of course, Messi's been injured for the last four matches, so people had flocked to the box office to get tickets for this match weeks ago and only to find that Messi's injured, of course, and it's a legitimate injury. That's the good news. Um, yeah, good news to some He's degree. Played a lot. He's played way too much, and that's the that's the issue. But that's the thing. Uh, the fire lit him up. It was four to one, and maybe crushed into Miami's uh, fleeting playoff hopes. 
in the process. Um, yeah, let's hope it works. Let's hope it works on all sides. That you can create MLS fans out of the messy hysteria. I think there'll be a playoff club next year. Yeah, I think it's there for it's probably a good chance. Here's a fun, another one. It's just fun. At ESPN FC, David Beckham says that Messi told one of the academy kids to walk more because you see more. He says there was a funny interview with one of the academy kids who's doing really well, and they turned around to him and said, what's the best bit of advice Leo's given you so far? And he said, to walk more. Told me to walk more in the game because you see more. And if you've watched Messi, people think, oh, he's getting old. He's, he's, he's not engaged or whatever. No, that's that's actually cagey advice from a veteran. And we said this, remember Pirlo came to BC Place, and we thought, oh, Pirlo's in a Barca lounger here. But when you're that good, you you you're analyzing the game. Well, a couple on two levels. Number one, you pace yourself. Yeah, you save some of the energy. And secondly, you see what's going on in front of you as he notes. It's, I'm not going to frantically run around. I, if I'm I don't not have sure to. every player can no, do that 100%. because I'm not sure they're all as sort of high IQ and quick twitch. And just and all less that. less skilled people are going to rely on their chutzpah, their effort, right, to to be their players, right. Um, but it's an interesting thought if you're a star player is. Mm. Maybe you don't need to expend all that energy. It's, yeah. it's it's probably for a limited percentage of players, but it's interesting to hear him so be so upfront about I, it. Incidentally, started some of that Beckham uh, documentary that's new on Netflix. It's, it's it's decent stuff. There's a viral clip going on that's just hysterical oh, about yeah. him grilling posh. Yeah. Well, that that's <laughs> the one thing that becomes clear is is to use the English expression. They take the piss out of each other. Yes, yes, yeah. Do they? Ever? They're sporting, yes. And, and like, you, you you know, I've got oodles of time and respect for David Beckham. Uh, the guy has barely put a foot wrong here in decades in the international media glare. And you watch it and you go, okay, that's how a pop star and a sporting star have had this enduring marriage. Well, I don't want to go too far down this road, but... It is amazing that, you know, when you get to such exorbitant wealth, and I'm a little bit, you know, again, to say I'm impressed by the Kardashians is going to, a bit too far. But, you know, when you're that exorbitantly wealthy, to remain a family. Lots of families fray. Uh, right. Because of. Yeah. and Or you just go your own way and say, I don't need you anymore. I've got mm-hmm. uh, time. And both of these cases, I think they are still families. Uh, a series here on the Seattle Mariners. At Mariner Muse, a fan account, after yesterday, we're likely going to be much more critical of Jerry DePoto for how he regards Mariners fans versus his Marinettes as a quality executive going forward. The team's in a good place with a bright future, but yesterday showed DePoto has zero regard for Mariners fandom. A press conference that's getting chided and derided in the Emerald City where Jerry DePoto explains their goal is to win 54% of the games because if you win 54% of the games, you're in the playoffs every season and you stand a decent chance of getting to the World Series. Asked about the failure to improve this club at the trade deadline, even moving Paul Sewell, the fine reliever, out, DePoto said, we're actually doing the fan base a favor in asking for their patience to win the World Series. He later explained to Aaron Levine, a reporter down there in Seattle, that the favor favor comment was an attempt at humor. Levine said, since I asked the question, how he justifies one playoff appearance since 2019 when he was touting contention in 20 and 2021, 
I honestly feel like he was more talking down to me than anything. The press conference was so disastrous that former Seahawks head coach Mike Holmgren weighed in on his radio show saying, quote, fans don't want to hear about 54%. They don't want to hear, I just did you a favor. No. Worse yet, the Mariners' new president of business operations, Katie Griggs, said before this season, quote, we are not asking you to be patient anymore. So not only do you have a rift now between the clubhouse management and ownership, and A.J. Pierzynski, the former major league catcher, yesterday said he was told Cal Raleigh was called into the office, oh God. put on the carpet, and told you have to apologize for your comment about we need to spend more money to bring in better players. Even though he said, I'm not going to apologize for wanting to win. Yeah, and as Holmgren went on to say, it's hard for me to believe that someone with as much experience as he has would go in and say some of the stuff that he said. Yeah. You know what? It, it, it's a bit of a. Da- it's always been a danger of this condescension from um, sports ownership and management. Well, especially managers, yeah. right? Because they're the smartest guys in the room. Especially new baseball managers, because they're not only the smartest guy in the room; they got a fleet of Ivy League guys who work for them. Well, that's it. And, and so there's this proprietary wisdom that they feel like they have. Only as baseball as an industry has become wiser, so has the fan. And the fan is, you know, especially in baseball of all sports, baseball fans are very analytics savvy. They they understand situations call for certain things. Although the Blue Jays game last night would not be a good example of that, but yes, you're quite right. No, but like there, a lot of people understood the script, what they were trying right. to do, and 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 as we've talked already, I mean, it, let's talk about the bats, not the pitching. But we, even within analytics, I think you have to be elastic. You can't be married to it. Absolutely, you, it, it, it can't be just black and white. Mm-hmm. Feel should be part of it. Mm-hmm. It should be a guiding hand, but there should be feel. And, and honestly, Blake, I look at this American League field, and I look at what Seattle would have been like if Seawald was in the pen, and maybe you go out and get like Carlos Santana or one of the just veteran bats that were available <laughs> at the de- deadline. And I would have taken my chances with that rotation against this field in the American League. Baltimore's a first-time playoff team with one great starter, and their closer is hurt. Texas is a first-time playoff team with one of the worst bullpens in all of baseball. Tampa, two and out. There's a good argument that the Tampa process can only bring you so far. And then there was the Blue Jays who were a fatally flawed team as well. So I, I, I just can't believe that they surveyed not just their team, but the others in the American League and decided, nah, this ain't our year. We're not going to give this rotation a chance. Who knows what the Yankees could look like next year? Who knows what the Orioles could look like if they trade some of their prospect capital for even better pitching next year big opportunity missed in seattle and you do wonder after a press conference like that is ownership going to be able to abide this guy or will your season ticket sales suffer because of it and you're forced to make a move with two days left in the regular season the tampa bay rays and the toronto blue jays were 
the second and third best records in the American League. Yeah. And they're both gone meek. And look, Baltimore at times looks scary good. They have a super bright future there with Henderson and Rutschman and some of the terrific young ballplayers they have. But it's Kyle Bradish and just some guys who are starting. <laughs> At Sarah Spain, Toronto would be an amazing home to a WNBA team. In the preseason game there made it clear the league and city want it to happen. The issue, I'm told, lies in the venue. League wants promises games will be at Scotiabank. MLSE is hesitant to give up all those nights of concerts, yeah. et cetera. Understand that. How about us? We are arguably a more progressive city than Toronto. We're not going to get an NBA team back here. No. Would a WNBA team with a with a great rivalry Much, with the Seattle team? We're not going to get an NBA team here, although who are the three uh, basketball players talking about how much they yes. would love to yes. see Vancouver back in the Redick league? Redick and others, yes. Yeah. Um, well, look, I think it would have to be owned by Canucks Sports Entertainment. Mm-hmm. If you're playing a Rogers Arena, otherwise you're a tenant. And, and the same issues, uh, same issues lie there with regards to concerts and such, because of course they've got the Warriors as well eating up dates. Well, and and like they haven't been able to get their primary tenant into Rogers Arena all that much here during their preseason renovations and such. Yeah. Of renovations and no practice facility. Anyways. Yeah. yeah. And that's hashtags for today. Joining us now, the national sports editor of the Daily Hive and their offside sport vertical. He is Rob the Hockey Guy on Twitter, Rob Williams. Thursday regular here with Sick Nurse and Price. How are we doing, Rob? Hello, well, guys. I'm pretty sick of the preseason NHL hockey, though. I'm ready for the regular season to begin. Yeah. In a perfect world, I think everybody plays five games we call it a day. Alas, uh, that is not how they have it structured. So I'm guessing you didn't make the trek to Abbotsford last night, huh? I did not make the trek to Abbotsford, no. And uh, I think the Whitecaps had more of my attention, uh, Yeah, I would, I would say, as well. Although, you know, yeah, maybe not many people else, though. Just over 13,000 for uh, the Whitecaps. A midweek game, I understand those are yeah. a little bit harder, but oof, a team clinched the playoffs last yeah. night. Yeah. Uh, more on that in a second, uh, but first, uh, Quinn Hughes, JT Miller were on the graphics advertising this game, and when everybody got cut there on the weekend, you looked around and went, wow, they're probably going to send a pretty good club to Abbotsford for their penultimate preseason game. Alas, they called six guys back up and, and threw them into the lineup last night. Did you have any problem with the way the uh, Canucks advertised, build this game, and the way they, they went about structuring a lineup? I guess it all depends. For me, it depends on what was the intent. Like, are were they knowingly trying to dupe the fans in Abbotsford to thinking that they're, the stars are going to be there to sell tickets? I find that hard to believe. I, I think it's just this is the marketing department that's putting out marketing materials and they're not really discussing it with Rick Tockett beforehand. So that, that was generally my take on it. I guess it's a little bit unfortunate. I think I'd have a bigger problem with it if this was... You know, if they were going to a community that really has, that doesn't see a lot of NHL hockey. I mean, people in Abbotsford can drive to Vancouver, they can watch games. Uh, if this was a game in Prince George and they, and they didn't send, you know, any of their top guys, you know, I think I'd have a, a different opinion of it. But, you know, under the circumstances, I can understand why, you know, they've got the three home games at the tail end of this preseason. 
Um, it's unfortunate that they didn't have like a different f- format to this preseason. Like the three road games, then the three home games kind of messes up things because you don't want to play all of your stars back to back to back in those last three games. So you end up with uh, the roster that they had yesterday. You know, at least it wasn't the the roster they sent to Calgary, at least, right? Like they, there was Brock Besser. There were some guys that, that uh, the fans could, could get excited about. Rob, we shall never speak of that roster in Calgary again. <laughs> um, uh, answer me the Bodog poll question. They're one, three, and one in preseason. They haven't scored a lot of goals. Are you concerned or worried? Yes and no. I mean, preseason doesn't mean a whole heck of a lot, but it should mean more to this team. Like, if it should mean anything to any team, it should mean a lot to this team because this team has had such poor starts, you know, in the last bunch of years. They haven't been great, in the, you know, they weren't great in the preseason last year either. Uh, you know, if there's a team that should be kind of, you know, ready to click on all cylinders, it's it's this one. Like, this is not like, Mc, you know, McDavid and McDavid could sleepwalk through the preseason and nobody would care, right? You'd think that, that this Canucks team would have a few more guys, um, you know, scratching and clawing a little bit more to, uh, uh, you know, to make some, some noise. And, and the guys that really are on the bubble, you know, the pod Colson's and Holglander has been better, but like, you know, there, ha- there just hasn't been that spark this, this preseason. Yeah. And, and it's that breakout star. Like Stadnika looked like he was really coming early on. He's flattened out a little bit. Uh, Are you I, longing for Sergei Shirokov? Well, I, I just mean, a little bit of a spice there in the preseason. Is that what you're saying? You know, maybe a player who had a better chance of actually, you know, doing something in the NHL than Shirokov. Oh. If, if we moved up a level, you always of- think, though, not you, but the collective, you <laughs> always thinks that you know that that player is going to be yeah. discovered, right? And and I guess what I'm saying is less of a long shot guy and more someone a little closer to being a bona fide NHLer. Yeah would be something, but you know, Rob's right. Like this is a, a new head coach who came in last year, had to come in last year when he came in last year to the chagrin of the Connor Bedard lottery odds to institute habits, standards, culture, right? So I agree with Rob in that this preseason for this club was more important when it comes to habits, standards, culture. And yet you listen to talk it after the game last night. He's still talking about how they're too quiet and they don't communicate well on the ice. He's talking about how they're on the wrong side of the penalties, taking too many of them. And he's talking about how, you know, they're quiet in terms of offense as well, Rob. So, you know, you listen to the head coach and he is, uh, he, I think he's absolutely honest in these post-game sessions. And I think that serves him and this fan base well. And you do wonder whether you need a cracker on Friday night just to sort of put a little of this behind you. And as Blake always says, get the taste of winning in preseason. Like that's part of establishing habit standards culture. Yeah, practicing how to win, practicing how to score goals. And they haven't done much of either of those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the games like last night just seem like a waste of time. Do they? Ever? Like, like, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, we're the the biggest key to. I mean, what's the, what's the biggest thing that we're all kind of focusing on right now? Like this late in preseason, it's who's going to be Quinn Hughes's partner, and you know, Hughes is not in the lineup, so you're kind of like, okay, well, what's the point? And I know, like, Cole McWard played okay, like I. I I, that's still boggling my mind, guys. The Cole McWard experience, like, like, could he be on the on the roster? Great, but like this whole talk about defense by committee and like people are buying this. Like, I uh, I'm blown away by by this idea that they're going to have 
a guy that everyone penciled in for the AHL. Like, no, I don't think anybody had Cole McWard making no. this team. And it's not like he's blown the socks off people. Like, the at best, people have been like, oh, yeah, okay, he's been serviceable. He's been okay. Like, it's been all right. Like, that's not a top pair defense, right? Like, maybe he develops into that, right? Maybe he, you know, if you were, if, if there was a path to Cole McWard playing with Quinn Hughes, it begins with McWard making the team, being on a third pair, and working his way up into, into playing with, with Quinn Hughes. Not going from zero to 100, and now he's on one of the most important spots on, on, the, on the team. So, like, that's still kind of blowing me away. I, I, I don't understand why, why they got the, I, I want Cole with, with Hughes. I think they just got the wrong Cole. I think to me, it should be Ian Cole playing the, playing the right side. I don't know why they haven't tried it. It's like the, it's like the, the old saying, like the simplest solution is probably the, the best one. To me, that, was, was that's there a waiver wire? Was there a waiver wire pickup that tickled your fancy? Or do you think it just should be Ian Cole and keep the numbers low and, and use who you got? I mean, if we're talking ourselves into waiver wire pickups to play with Quinn Hughes, uh, like, come on. But is right? there much? Mm-hmm. Is there much difference I mean, between Jacob Bernard Docker and Cole McWard? I, I don't think there is much. So if you're if you're if you're talking about Cole McWard, I don't know yeah, that I, Jacob Bernard Docker is much more crazy. I, I think it's twenty five extra NHL games experience is the difference between them. Yeah, right now. Yeah. To me, you have you have three options. You have you have Cole, Cole you have Susie, and you have Myers. Myers depends on you know Myers the only right shot guy there, and you have to you know, hope that he can kind of change his game to be a little bit more responsible. I don't know if I think that'll work. To me, you got to play one of your left shot guys on the right side. I know I know it's not ideal. You, you'd love to have righties with lefties. And I know Talkit prefers that. But, you know, you also, you know, I, I think he would also prefer to have top four defensemen in the top four and not have like Hoper guys in the top four. And I, I get that, you know, McWard won't play every shift with, with Hughes, but like, you know, uh, chemistry <laughs> and familiarity matters. Like you can't just throw that out and just be like, oh, we'll just, all six guys, we'll just play with all six guys and we'll just mix and match throughout the whole game. Like I, I that to me is confusing things a little bit. And um, yeah, it's, it's, that that part really does not add up to me. And, and uh, I'm curious to see how it's going to look if they do indeed uh, start the season uh, with this plan. You, you are Rob the hockey guy. So it's no surprise that you drew a hockey comparison to the baseball celebration. It's an annual rite of passage criticizing baseball celebrations. But how foolish does it look now, right? Like it does. It looks ridiculous. It looks ridiculous every seven, single year. Seventy-two year, uh, seventy-two hours later, your tail's between your legs and you're slumped off to the postseason after scoring one run in two games. And Tampa the same way. I mean, Tampa and and the Jays both had the meekest of appearances in the playoffs, and they are literally seventy-two hours removed from their champagne celebrations. It's uh, it it does make the stoicism of of hockey and the fact that there is no champagne celebration for making the playoffs. There's not much for winning a playoff series for heaven's sakes mm-hmm. um hockey is too little baseball is too much right. there's a happy medium here somewhere i think football and basketball teams strike it a little better but what would you like to see rob yeah i mean i tweeted something out uh, comparing the two and i think i think all the baseball purists thought that i was saying that the way hockey does it is right where they won't even touch the conference right no. trophy like, but like, I think that's too far the other way. Like that's, that's also dumb. Like I've, I also rail against that every year. Like the fact that 
Uh, and, then, and that also doesn't make sense now. Like, you know, they'll take a picture around the trophy and they'll they'll put on like conference championship hats, but then they won't touch the trophy because that's like they don't want to touch a trophy unless it's the should, should hockey team stupid stitious. Should hockey uh, teams do the champagne celebration when they make the cup final? Because, yes, because that's the moment well, you get a trophy. You get a trophy for that. And you've made the freaking stage. You've and, made the cup final. And it's achievement. Winning three rounds of the Stanley Cup playoffs yeah. is really fucking hard. So if you do it, yeah, absolutely. Have a little celebration, particularly when the trophy's in your home barn. Your fans want to party, man. Yeah. Like you're going to the big dance. So uh, I would like to see more of in this in the conference in the conference finals in hockey. But Rob is absolutely right. Like Tampa, Toronto, you made the playoffs last year. Mm-hmm. Or you have multiple playoff appearances recently you know getting to a best of three wild card as the sixth team in the league okay it's achievement to some degree but it's not strobe light goggles spraying champagne (laughs) everywhere but we've also got proof of concept here that for 125 years or however many stanley cups have been awarded the team the losing team they did not celebrate getting into the stanley cup final so it's not like if a team celebrates winning the Western Conference this year, they're not going to be like, oh, you jinxed yourself. Well, guess what? For 125 yeah. years, one team has not celebrated and they've still lost. Yes. Believe me, touching the Prince of Wales trophy or the Clarence Campbell Bowl does not have any impact no. on the way you play the Stanley Cup final. Uh, guys, I, I used to understand baseball because, like, you know, when, when you had to win your division, there right. were only four divisions. For sure. And you play 162 games. And, you know, you win the pennant and, and that's like a huge accomplishment and you, and you do the champagne celebration. I guess they do another one, you know, when they got to the World Series and then I want to, if they win the World Series, but at least I sort of understood that tradition. And so that, that's what, this is where this is stemmed from, right? Where they added a wild card team and then that team also did the champagne celebration and now they've added a couple more. And now Divisional rounds. But yeah. like the, the Jays celebration though, this, this year really got me because because they lost on Saturday. They clinched Saturday night with the Mariners, like late at night in Toronto. So there's not enough time to celebrate. So they then play another game Sunday, a meaningless game, and lose that Get as hammered. well. And Get then they yeah. go to the room. Like this is like hours and hours later. And then they go into the room like they've won the World Series. No, I know. Only to to guarantee them two games. And like imagine if they'd like, you know, imagine if they'd uh, – won this series you know against minnesota they'd be doing another champagne celebration imagine if they win the world series it'd be like five champagne celebrations yeah. in like a month like you know what they should have been yeah, doing the problem is they should have been a bp they should have been a bp yeah you go into every postseason hungover and not your every postseason series hungover and not at your best because too much partying uh okay we'll uh we'll leave that be because frankly the caps and lions they deserve some champagne popping here after the seasons that they've had. And and Rob, you were looking back. This is the best our boys of summer have ever been together. Yeah. If you look at all the years that the Lions and the Whitecaps have both made the playoffs since uh, since 2011, since the, the Whitecaps entered MLS, this is as good as it's been. Like they've, they have not both made the playoffs and had winning records. Like if you, you go back to uh you know 2011 obviously lines when when the the gray cup um you know white caps are an expansion team 2012 lions are a powerhouse team and and uh you know and host you know 13 and 5 but the white caps the white caps made the playoffs but they had a losing record 
and if you look at all the other years that the that the um, that the Whitecaps have actually made the playoffs, the Lions have never had a winning record the same year that the Whitecaps have made the playoffs. So you know this this season with the with where the Whitecaps are, uh, you know it, you know the, you know they're a contender in the in the Western Conference, and you look at the uh, the Lions uh, shooting for first place. Uh, in the West, I, I think this is uh, quite clearly the, the best they've both been at the same time. Yeah. Um, and and I yeah, I mean, a note about the the Whitecaps. I know I I think the Lions have turned things around here in terms of the perception in the market. I think I think Vancouver's sleeping on the Whitecaps right now. Like they they, they they're a good team and they're an exciting team. And uh, you know, I I see that the Whitecaps are now uh, you know making a case for Ryan Gold to be the uh, the MVP of, of MLS this year. Not enough people know know the name no. Ryan Gold in the city, and 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 it's a shame because he's been a, a terrific player to watch. Yeah, they got to get Gold and White out there a little more because White can still win the the scoring championship here. It's fantastic that both of these clubs we know for sure at this point are each going to have at least one playoff game in this city. And God, we've been starved for those. Of course, the Lions have the upper, upper bowl open for uh, tomorrow night. Ticket sales are, are getting so robust. I think the seven thirty starts have really hurt the Caps this year. They they had the one afternoon start at the beginning of the year every other game is 7 30 and i just think that's difficult particularly on a weeknight as blake says i would like to see them play more afternoon weekday ga- weekend games next year i think that would help the buzz and and let's face it you know the the buzz as we know vancouver's an event town so the buzz could just be a little late here and you could see a big crowd for that postseason game much like we saw a huge crowd for the canadian championship trophy games so um we'll, we'll see where the market is on the caps but uh fantastic news they're both going to the playoffs and they're both you know and they're both pretty solid organizations now too like you look at their management you look at their coaching you look at their players decision making and they yeah. decision making process like they they're ticking a lot of boxes yeah. right now both have improved by leaps and bounds rob marvelous stuff thank you for this catch up next thursday thank you Harrison Price from All Center presentation, Applewood Auto Group. You can text us 778-402-9680. It's the Great Clips text message inbox. Great Clips. It's going to be great. Bodog poll question results from yesterday. We asked you how many starts will Thatcher Demko make this season? Over 55.5 or under? And the people said, Blake? They said under. No, they said over. 72%. Kevin, they'll run him into the ground over playing him to make the playoffs. He'll get injured from the strain. They'll miss the playoffs. Wash, rinse, and repeat from year to year. Canucked, given that he's only been above that number once in his career and was subsequently injured, I'm taking the under. Chris says, I voted under, but that's more a hope bet. Good honesty, mm-hmm. Chris. says, hopefully DeSmith can play 25-plus games. David, if they want to make the playoffs, it better be over. And then Burray's flow way over. They played his ass off even when they were completely out of it. It's true. Harrison, nothing further? No, I mean, it's echoing a lot of this stuff that I was thinking yesterday. It's just I think uh, he's going to be overworked at times. I think he's going to go on long runs of intense competition, and then they're going to be like, oh, crap, he's getting tired, Mm -hmm. and they're going to start to sit him for a bit. So it's going to ebb and flow, and it'll come in just under. Harrison omissions from yesterday's program. And in fact, one dates back a few days ago. I had mistakenly said Sporting Kansas City, not Dallas, needing to lose or 
tie for the Caps to clinch a playoff last night. Yeah, Minnesota and Dallas. Yeah. Minnesota and Dallas. And then we were wondering about the number of soccer clubs in London when discussing the NHL having but one hockey Toronto team, team in Toronto. Yeah, and yeah. Three. So do you want to guess? Like what were we talking, just professional level? Well, in professional the log- level, it, it does go down several levels yes. to account for them all. But give me the big number and give me the EPL number. Um, I'm going to go 25 and eight. Oh, you're a little high on both. Mm. It's seven in the premiership this year. Okay. West Ham, Crystal Palace, Fulham, Arsenal, Chelsea, Tottenham, and Brentford. It's three more in the championship this year. And Watford, QPR, and Millwall, no one likes them, they don't care, <laughs> have all been premiership sides. Yes, yeah. So you get 10 in the top two divisions. You have 17 total yeah. that are playing professionally before ticket-buying audiences in the city of London. 17. It's a big city. It's a big very, city. very, very big city. Uh, but sure, it's twice the size of Toronto, but it's very big. It's I, I think it's four times the size of Toronto would be my guess. Oh, not GTA. Maybe Toronto yeah, proper. Yeah, I think Toronto proper six six million probably. Oh, gosh. we're over twenty million for London now. Greater really? London. Yeah, I think yeah. There's a few twenty million cities. Really? I would guess London is in that. Uh, I'm looking it up now. Nine, nine and a half. Oh. I have a feeling Yerky is going to be in your mentions. Oh, for <laughs> sure. For sure. London 2023 population estimated 9.6 million. Uh, population in London metropolitan area was approximately 14.37 million, according to Statista. Okay. Nevertheless. So anyway, do the ratio. It means that the Leafs can probably put up with two to three more mm. bits of competition. GTA 6.3, mm-hmm. just under 6.4. That's it for me, Grady. Do you have any more? I do not. Time for Blake's Bodog line of the day. Bodog, your source. Free casino games, poker strategy, sports odds. So you like what you got. I'm going to the uh, Lions and Bombers match. I'm going to a fast start for the Leos based on a big crowd. First scoring method. I bet team. this a lot earlier yeah. in the season because they were out of the gate so quickly. Touchdown for the Lions to open up the scoring at plus 250. Yeah, there you go. On your Bodog line of the day. Thanks for listening, everybody. A reminder, subscribe to us and Rinkwide. Got another Rinkwide coming Friday, tomorrow, after the Flames game. I'll be joining Jeff. Follow on social media, Twitter, Insta, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. And, of course, support the community sponsors you hear us talking about. Keep it local.